0: March of the Giants by Sean J. Nigro. Narrated by Todd Waits and featuring Kaylee Peckford. The taste of lukewarm green tea hit my throat unexpectedly, pulling my attention away from the painting I had been working on. I spit some of the tea back into my mug and straightened up in my seat to stretch. I'd been in one of those familiar trances of inspiration fully engrossed in a watercoloring of a scene that seemed to be revealing itself to me with each brushstroke. These trances were not predictable, but also not uncommon for me. They always started with a nugget of an idea, some vision that would come to me seemingly from the heavens. For as long as I can remember, I had always fancied myself a channeler of sorts, and so letting these visions guide me without question was a natural and mostly welcome part of the process. The benefits of this way of approaching my art were usually self-evident. The downside was my inability to balance my creative aspirations with the real world, particularly my romantic relationships. But romance was the last thing on my mind then. The scene that had revealed itself to me on the canvas had all of my attention. It was a recollection of a dream that I had only recently remembered from childhood. Well, a nightmare, actually. And it was one of the stranger nightmares I would have been glad to forget altogether, like so much else that had fluttered around my brain in those early years of my life. The scene was that of a young boy, myself, clutching his knees and huddled in fear beneath a dining room table. A procession of gigantic creatures, represented only by their enormous legs, appeared to be marching around the table. I closed my eyes, trying to remember the details of that dream. The boy, I, had been hiding from those creatures. I remembered the rhythmic quakes caused by their footsteps, and I remembered wondering what these creatures would do if they ever found me. My heart began to speed up in my chest as I allowed the anxiety from the old dream to creep back in. I opened my eyes to a rumbling then that seemed to come from outside my memory of the dream. I could hear the rattling of dishes in the kitchen, and a Cthulhu bobblehead next to a black candle I had lit shook, casting a grisly, pulsating shadow on the wall next to the window above my desk. I stood up and leaned over the desk to open the window letting a gust of cold air in that blew the candle out at once, taking the Cthulhu shadow with it. The streets of downtown Portland below were dark and mostly empty. I could see street lamps beginning to flicker on, and I thought I heard a foghorn in the distance. Nothing unusual to see in my seaside city, but I couldn't help but notice something unusual in the air. The smell of autumn wafted in with the cold, and the foghorn sounded once more before I closed the window again. My apartment was silent. This was not improbable, but my upstairs neighbors were shut-ins, so creaking floors were more typical of the acoustics in the space, along with the occasional shriek of laughter or, sometimes, a low moaning that sounded like someone crying to themselves. But along with these sounds... Even the old refrigerator in my little kitchen seemed to have gone quiet, and I wondered if the thing had finally died. No matter. There were only leftovers in a six-pack of stouts. The leftovers were probably no good anyway. I relit the candle and turned my attention back to the painting and trying to draw myself back into my trance. Letting a trance slip away was one of my biggest fears. If I lost whatever it was I was channeling onto the canvas... Getting back into the same rhythm was almost guaranteed never to happen, and this painting intrigued me. I had painted almost everything I could remember about that dream. The antique wooden kitchen table, the disturbing hoofed legs resembling tree trunks, a wine glass that had fallen off the table and shattered on the floor in front of me, and... a small shadow? I picked up the candle and held it up to the painting, leaning in with squinted eyes. The shadow was barely noticeable, but it was there, on the floor next to the boy. A smudge, maybe? Maybe some excess water from the brush. I jolted up and surprised into the sound of tapping on the window, nearly dropping the candle in my lap. Quickly, I realized that it had started to rain, and as I stared out the window, sure now that I had lost my trance, I saw something in the sky that looked like a bird far off, but the closer it came, the easier it was to tell that it was just a leaf, and when I assumed the leaf would blow in some random direction away from my window, it grew larger and seemed instead to be darting straight toward me, as if it were weighted. I flinched as the leaf crashed into the window, sounding louder than the softer tapping of rain. The leaf slid down the glass and out of sight toward the streets below. My eyes widened in shock when I realized that I thought I had seen a tiny face atop the leaf. In fact, the face that I thought I had seen seemed to have a look of surprise that must have looked exactly as I had upon this realization. I blinked hard and rubbed my eyes. When I determined that I had let my imagination get the best of me, I turned my gaze back to the painting as I started to get back to the mystery of that tiny shadow, a soft tapping, more persistent than the rain, sounded from the window again. When I looked back to the window, I was sure that I'd gone mad, as the tiny face I thought I had seen was staring straight at me from the other side of the window pane. It was a female face, on a head, on a body half the size of my paintbrush, and its tiny arms were wrapping against the glass, beckoning me to let it in. I hadn't opened the window two inches before the tiny woman came ducking under the sill and plopped onto the desk next to my candle.
1: Close it. It's fucking freezing out there.
0: The tiny woman shouted, and I quickly did as I was told. I watched her wring water out of a blonde ponytail, letting it accumulate into a small pool on the desk, no bigger than my fingernail. When she was finished, she looked up at me with a tiny smile. We stared at each other like this in silence for an uncomfortably long time.
1: Okay, so... I'm tiny. To you. I guess that's sort of unusual.
0: Yes, I blinked. Unusual was definitely an understatement.
1: Well, you'll have to get over it fast if you want to live. I'm not supposed to be here and you're running out of time.
0: A rumbling not unlike the one I had felt before the tiny woman's arrival, shook the apartment again, causing her to lose her balance and fall into the puddle of water she had made.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake!
0: She shouted, bringing herself to her feet again. What the hell is that? I looked around the apartment as if the answer would be somewhere close by.
1: That's the reason I'm here.
0: She seemed to notice my painting then and walked up to it or onto it. I winced as she walked, still wet, over the painting, trailing tiny footprints.
1: Actually, this is the reason I'm here,
0: she said, pointing at the boy. My painting? I'd leaned in close to her and the painting now without even realizing it. I still couldn't believe what I was looking at. She looked as human as me, except for a strange yellow jumpsuit and eyes that looked more like cat's eyes than any person I'd ever seen. Are you... Human?
1: Eh, not quite, but close enough,
0: she said, as she began to casually peel the yellow jumpsuit off of her body. Underneath the suit, apparently, she was completely naked, but this didn't seem to bother her, and the body she revealed reaffirmed her humanness to me. I gulped.
1: I need something else to wear now.
0: She stood, fully naked now, with an arm outstretched, holding the jumpsuit.
1: Can you hang this somewhere, please?
0: I sat staring.
1: Oh, Christ, man, unless you want a tiny, frozen, naked woman on your hands, please hurry. I'm here for you, after all.
0: The apartment shook, and a tapping came at the window again. The rain had picked up. Yeah, sure. I took the tiny suit and tried to think of where I could hang it. On the other side of the room, above a sunken-in couch, there was a world map that I'd received as a gift from my grandmother the year before for my birthday. Across the United States, Europe, and on Australia, there were different colored thumbtacks, representing the places that I had traveled to. I pulled the blue tack out and stuck it back into the wall next to the map through the collar of the yellow jumpsuit. The heater's in line with the couch, so it should dry quickly. Thanks. She stood with her arms folded, shivering. Oh, right. I remembered she needed something else to wear. I ran to the kitchen and pulled a tiny piece of paper towel off the roll above the stove. When I handed it to her, she grimaced in disgust, but then shrugged. She wrapped it around her body like a toga and looked back up at me with one hand still behind her.
1: Something to hold it, maybe?
0: Right. I took a small piece of tape from a roll on the desk and secured it behind her. Better? She spread her arms out and looked down at her new outfit.
1: Good enough. Thanks.
0: So, tiny woman, what do I call you? Clarissa, she said as she paced curious around the painting. I laughed, remembering an old television show from my childhood.
1: Something funny?
0: No, no, it's nothing. Sorry. I heard the sound of my dishes rattling again as the rumbling returned. This time, the force was almost enough to tip me out of my chair. I held on to the desk and watched as Clarissa managed to get herself down in time for balance. Somewhere in the building, I thought I heard footsteps, but they were faint.
1: It's the Giants,
0: Clarissa said seriously, staring straight at me. I frowned. Clarissa, I'm sorry. I'm really confused, and I'm beginning to wonder if there was something wrong with my tea. I laughed nervously.
1: I get it. This is not normal for me either. I'm not supposed to be here. I've only ever done this once before.
0: Who are the giants? I asked, thinking I already knew the answer, though still not believing it. She looked down at the painting and glanced across the canvas at the hoofed legs that surrounded the boy under the table.
1: They're not from here.
0: And you are?
1: I am, actually,
0: Clarissa said matter-of-factly.
1: It would be much harder for them to hide amongst your kind like we do, considering their height.
0: We? She rolled her eyes.
1: These giants are malicious, but they only want people like you. Uh, creative types, I guess you would say.
0: I felt an odd mixture of dread and pride well up inside me.
1: You weren't supposed to remember any of this, you know. You would have been fine if you had stuck to landscapes or still lifes.
0: At this, I rolled my eyes, thinking of all the local art that tended to regurgitate lighthouses and local bird life. I'm an artist, not a townie.
1: "'Well, you'll be dead soon if you don't get rid of this.'
0: "'Excuse me? You want me to get rid of a painting? This is one of my best yet.'
1: "'Even with all of these footprints?'
0: She smirked. "'I can paint over those,' I glared back. "'Speaking of which, can you get the hell off? You're still dripping.' Clarissa reached behind her head and undid her ponytail. She began to shake in stubborn defiance of my words, sending a spray of water around the painting.' Some of the spray landed on the shadow I'd been observing earlier and darkened it. Come on. I reached out to pat her aside, but she sent a tiny kick to my pinky. That hurt more than I thought it could. I pulled my hand back in pain. When I looked back down, I saw that she had moved to the side anyway. Except now, she was struggling in an attempt to drag the canvas toward the candle.
1: Let's burn it!
0: She shouted maniacally. I thought I detected a hint of fear now in her tiny cat's eyes. The rumbling came again, and this time I did fall, along with the map of the world which had come crashing onto the couch. The footsteps I had heard before seemed louder now, as if someone or something were coming up the building stairs. Help! I can't breathe! I stood up quick to find that Clarissa had been smothered by the canvas. Strands of blonde hair that reminded me of Barbies my sister played with when we were young were splayed out from the edge of the canvas. I lifted the canvas and saw Clarissa take a deep breath. Her paper towel toga had fallen slightly, revealing her top half, and I blushed.
1: Jesus, get over it,
0: she said, resuming her tugging of the canvas. Stop that. I patted her away, successfully this time.
1: All that pounding should scare you as much as it does me. Don't you remember?
0: Remember what? I asked. But I knew that she was referring to the dream.
1: Those things are coming for you because of this painting. It's a nice painting and all, but your ability to remember this happening is how they found you.
0: What happened? My ability to recall a dream is... It's
1: not a dream, you dunce.
0: The footsteps were growing louder, now sounding too large to be human. Or at least any normal-sized human. The Cthulhu bobblehead nodded with every step, so that the shadow above the desk seemed ever ready to pounce. Look, she pleaded.
1: Your paintings are wonderful, but this one needs to go. It's just dangerous to revel in such dark places. Some things you just have
0: to. How do to look you up. know so much about this anyway? I found myself wondering. The footsteps didn't sound far off now. I wondered what floor they were on. I wondered if it was true that they could be moving in my direction. I thought of the empty streets below then and remembered that the upstairs neighbors had gone silent. Where had everybody gone? I heard plates shattering to the floor in the kitchen as the apartment shook again. I caught Clarissa as she began to fall over the edge of the desk and I brought her up to my face. What if they're here because of you? I asked seriously. Clarissa frowned.
1: I can't prove that that's not true, but I wish you would trust me.
0: It was then that I noticed something peculiar. The light of the candle from the desk illuminated Clarissa from behind and cast a tiny shadow across my palm that looked familiar. I looked down at the shadow in the painting and realized then what it was. You were there! Clarissa averted her gaze from mine, pulling at the edge of her toga nervously. You were in my dream, under the table with me. She didn't answer. The dream came back to me, and I found myself being drawn back into that familiar trance. I placed her on the desk and grabbed the paintbrush, dipping it in water and smearing the tip into the glob of yellow paint on my palette.
1: I wasn't supposed to be there, and I'm not supposed to be here now.
0: I began to paint feverishly in the spot next to the boy in the scene, just above the shadow.
1: Please, stop. You'll get us both killed.
0: I see no reason not to finish now, I said, ignoring her. I could feel the end of my trance coming. I was going to finish the painting. The footsteps were thunderous outside my apartment door. The building was shaking violently now without stopping. I could hear more dishes shattering in the kitchen. Cthulhu had fallen off the desk. Stop it, Clarissa shouted. She was tugging at the hairs on my fingers now. I swatted her aside, and she went sliding across the desktop.
1: you listen to me then, why won't you listen to me now?
0: She screamed in her tiny voice.
1: You changed.
0: The voice came again, soft and whimpering now. The door to the apartment was blown off its hinges, flying across the apartment and crashing into the bookshelf by my desk. I continued painting, switching colors, covering up the little footprints and finishing the final details. The scene now showed a tiny woman that resembled Clarissa. She had a finger up to her mouth, signaling the boy to be quiet. I could hear the marching behind me and I thought I felt the hot breath of whatever it was that was leading this procession. I did not bother to turn around. I had to finish the painting. I was unbearably close now. And then... Finished! I looked up at these words and saw now that she was crying. She had given up her pleading. Behind her, I saw the candle wobbling with the pounding footsteps and I saw it tip toward the canvas. I tried to reach for it, but I felt something grab the back of my neck and hold me back. Clarissa looked up at me in terror, helpless. I felt myself being raised by the neck out of my seat as I struggled to break free. It felt like my neck was going to snap from the pressure now. I winced in pain. The canvas was ablaze now, along with the desk. But Clarissa was no longer there. I looked around the desk frantically as I was pulled higher into the sky. I had to be through the ceiling now, but all I could see was the inside of my apartment below me in flames. The marching had stopped. The only sound now was the fire itself. I saw pieces of the painting fluttering about the room. Then I spotted her. The window above my desk had shattered, and she was standing on the sill, looking up at me with a frown. And then, without warning, she was gone. I didn't know where I was being taken, but I could feel the grip on my neck crushing the life out of me. The apartment had faded into the seaside city below me, And the city itself was a smudge, a shadow on the landscape. It was all gone now, all my artwork, all my memories with them. But, I reminded myself, at least I had finished my painting.